So during Lent this year, we are working on unpacking some theological topics that may be tough for us. Last week, we talked about sin. Next week and the week after, we're going to talk about things that seem perhaps better, like forgiveness and God loving everybody, but that are more complicated when we really try to live by them. Today's topic is hell, the easiest of the bunch. We have two texts. They were a little long for the bulletin, so I invite you to listen as I read. First from Matthew 25, verses 34 to 45. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the beginning of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked. And you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, You who are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not give me clothes, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it? that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you. Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And then from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 26. There was a rich man dressed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger from what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. 
A rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus at his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are in agony. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. These stories are the two most elaborate descriptions we have of hell in the Bible. There aren't any other stories that are as elaborate and descriptive as these. I think it is worth noting that their image or description of how we get to hell doesn't necessarily match our dominant American Christian narrative, which is that hell is a matter of belief or unbelief. Here, it's a matter of action or inaction. The litmus test is how we treat our neighbors. If we treat them poorly, we are separated from God in a fundamental way that feels torturous, like fire that never ends. These are the two passages that really give us that image. Just these two. However we conceive of hell, it is not something Jesus talked about a lot, or literally. Hell is not mentioned in the Bible nearly as many times as things like money, how we treat the poor, or love. Hell, as a place of punishment, is not mentioned in all of the Old Testament, which should give us pause when we fall back on that old stereotype of the God of the Old Testament being a God of wrath. Hell is mentioned in the New Testament, but out of the 27 books in the New Testament, it's only mentioned in five, and within those, only a couple dozen times. So whatever we think about hell, it just wasn't central to Jesus' message. He spent most of his time on other things. I think that's important to know. And he also didn't talk about it literally. There are two words that get translated in the New Testament for hell. The first is Hades, which was a Greek mythological concept. You're most likely familiar with it. Hades is not a fun place, but it's also not a place of eternal torture and torment. It's just where you go after you die. 
where all of us go after we die. And the other word that gets translated as hell is Gehenna, which means the Valley of Hinnom, which was a real place. It was the trash dump outside of Jerusalem where fires always burned to burn the trash and dogs fought over the scraps with gnashing of teeth. It's a metaphor. When Jesus talks about hell, he uses myths and metaphor. So if he doesn't talk about it literally, maybe we shouldn't either. I find it tempting to dismiss the whole idea of hell. I definitely don't believe in some place under the earth or off in some unimaginable realm where there's a saucy, sneaky guy in red tights who's bugging us forever. I also don't believe in eternal conscious torment. That idea has done irreparable harm for generations. It has caused genocide and profound psychic suffering. So it's tempting to just throw it out. But I think there is something useful at least about the word. Rob Bell wrote a fantastic book about heaven and hell called Love Wins. It is very easy and approachable to read. And in it, he tells about traveling to Rwanda shortly after the ethnic cleansings that took place there. His plane touched down, and here's what he described seeing. He says, I remember arriving in Kigali, Rwanda in December 2002 and driving from the airport to our hotel. And soon after leaving the airport, I saw a kid, probably 10 or 11, with a missing hand standing by the side of the road. Then I saw another kid down the street missing a leg. Then another in a wheelchair. He hands, arms, legs. I must have seen 50 or more teenagers with missing limbs in just those first several miles. His guide explained during the genocide, one of the ways to most degrade and humiliate your enemy was to remove the arm or hand or leg of your enemy's young child so that years later that child's parents would have to live with that reminder of their humiliation and defeat. Sometimes, hell is not too strong of a word. 
Some words are strong for a reason. We are able to create all manner of hell for ourselves and for each other. Jesus used strong metaphors and dramatic language and hyperbole for a reason. He wanted to get our attention. How we treat one another matters for them and for us. He used the strongest language possible to describe the hellacious conditions we create on earth for each other and ourselves. When we fail to love our neighbors, which is what both of these passages are about, we separate ourselves from each other and from God, which is how we thought about sin last week as separation. And I think that's what hell really is. Separation. A great chasm. As far as the right is from the left. When we are separated from God, from love, from our fellow travelers, that's hell. God doesn't need to create hell for us. We do a fine job of it on our own. question for me is whether we can ever get out of hell once we find ourselves in it. There's a verse that gives me hope. It might be my favorite verse about hell in the whole Bible, which is maybe a low bar. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, And I tell you, you are Peter, which means rock, and you are the rock upon which I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against God's love, the image of is of God's love, God's kingdom, on the march, invading the gates of hell. And they don't stand a chance. Gates of hell, what we find ourselves trapped in, will not prevail. So yes, I do believe in hell, not in a place of eternal conscious torment, but we are able to create immense suffering for ourselves and for others. And some of the suffering we create and walk through is so intense that hell really isn't too strong of a word. But the love of God persists and insists and draws us ever homeward with a longing 
that will not be satisfied until all are gathered in and Christ is all in all. Amen.